Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Kia ora koutou, ko Krista Tokuingua. And I'm very excited to speak to you today from the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts for a lot of reasons. And in fact, some of those reasons have gotten more solidified since moving to this land. The idea of reading about our own history, the history of the church, that because of the Holy Spirit of the living God, that we actually read our biography in the book of Acts. It's something that now has even more living color to me. Um, as an American growing up, uh, a lot of our narrative, at least speaking as a, a white Southern American woman, a lot of our thinking on history is that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps in spite of where you've come from. And one of the things I've loved about living in this land is actually how valuable it is to learn about those who have come before you and you, you thrive in light of who has come before you and the good and the bad. And I love the book of Acts because in so many ways, it is our story. It is our history. And it's the same spirit who inspired these scriptures that was working in the book of Acts that is the same spirit at work in our hearts today. And we're going to get to hear more about that story in Acts chapter 8 as we learn about one of our brothers, an Ethiopian eunuch, and how he is part of our spiritual family and what we can learn from him and from Philip in this story. And so today's message is entitled, God's Acts of the Spirit as God's Love for the World. So often we think of the, act, the book of Acts as the Acts of the Apostles. Really, it's better to think of the book of Acts as the Acts of the Spirit. And so we're going to focus in on that for this morning's talk. Before we get into our chapter in Acts chapter 8, I did want to mention uh, at the very beginning of the book of Acts, we kind of get this preamble that the book of Acts then unpacks. And that, of course, is this quintessential verse in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Big picture in the book of Acts before we get into our sliver in Acts 8. We see that the Spirit descends upon the believers who were gathered in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. Then that next bit, Jerusalem, then Judea, that's the larger landmass surrounding Jerusalem. And Acts 8 to 12 especially covers that territory. We also see Samaria as the northern part of that Judean area also being covered in Acts 8 through 12. And then chapters 13 to 28, the rest of the book, are talking about the gospel's advance throughout the rest of the earth as the Spirit of God empowers these witnesses to bring that good news of Jesus Christ to the uttermost parts of the, the known world at that time. And one thing that's really important to think about is this is a fulfillment of this Abrahamic covenant that was given all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, where through Abram, all peoples, all ethnos were going to be blessed. And it's taken centuries and centuries to see that fulfillment of that Abrahamic promise. And what we see throughout the book of Acts is the fulfillment of that promise that God has always been about the whole world. 
God has always desired that the whole world would be in relation with God's self, but uses us as human agents in that process. And we'll see that more specifically now. And if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open up to Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at a pretty powerful story about how God is so for the world and that God is also so for the person. And God equips us to be agents of God's love and grace and mercy in the world around us. So we're going to look at Acts uh, chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? he said unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This passage of scripture the eunuch was reading, Isaiah 53, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water! What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. A lot going on in that passage that we're going to focus on. First of all, what we see in this passage, and we see a lot of things, but in my reading and what I want to unpack for us today is, first of all, that God loves the world. As I've already said, we've seen that God has been a faithful covenant-keeping God to that promise to Abraham years and years and years before what we see happening in the book of Acts and with this Ethiopian eunuch. God has always been about the inclusion of all nations into the big family of God. The particular evidence of that love for the world we see in Philip's encounter with this Ethiopian. And you may have noticed that first bit of that chapter and of that verse in verse 26. The Spirit tells Philip where to go. In reading a commentary on this from uh, Willie Jennings, he says, 
Philip must move forward at the demand of the Lord. This is not precise direction, but Philip's obedience is clear. And that is all God needs to direct disciples. Imprecise direction and clear obedience. Imprecise direction, but clear obedience. I love that. The the Spirit says, go, chase that man. (laughs) And he does, not knowing exactly what he's going to do when he gets there. But the Spirit had told him to go. And then you notice, what's he reading? Well, it's not his copy of Harry Potter, obviously. It's actually not just any book of the Bible, but Isaiah. He's got this big scroll, which also, that's pretty incredible that he even had the resources to have that kind of of artifact in his hand. Those were expensive, and so his high socioeconomic status gives him access to this expensive book of Isaiah. And so he has had provision to even have that book itself, but then which book he has? And then Isaiah, it's a very long series of scrolls, actually. It's such a long book. And so he has this particular aspect of Isaiah 53. that It's not incidental where he is. And I think we can conclude that not only has the Spirit brought Philip to that Ethiopian eunuch, but the Spirit has brought, also brought that Ethiopian eunuch to that specific passage of scripture. Another scholar, Esau Macaulay, in his book, Reading While Black, as he traces out the narratives of black believers in the scriptures that have largely been muted in our understanding of that in our modern times, he says, I find significance in the fact that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading from a particular portion of of the servant's narrative, namely the portion where it says justice was denied him. The eunuch was not materially poor, but as one who had been castrated, he was in a socially ambiguous position because eunuchs were often despised. In a culture with strictly defined gender roles, he would have been seen as aberrant, an anomaly. Was there a point of connection between the rejection of the servant experienced and the rejection the eunuch experienced? There's some type of potential connection that penetrates this eunuch's heart in a way that is profound and that the Spirit seems to have been leading that Ethiopian eunuch to. And then next we see the the Spirit is the one telling Philip to run by the chariot. I mean, you kind of have to picture this, and I've got an image for you to look at here. But basically, we've got this chariot that's rolling on, and Philip's having to run to catch up. (laughs) He might be breathless when he's running alongside this eunuch. And so Jennings reads that and says, through Philip, God is chasing after this eunuch. We can say this because Philip has been brought exactly to this point by the Holy Spirit. He must run behind the horses because God will not leave this traveler alone with this text. And Jennings goes on to say, no one should be left alone with the text, any text. We are also meant to be readers of these scriptures in community. And that's also a Baptist distinctive, by the way, that we as the gathered saints read those scriptures with the belief that where we gather, the spirit of the risen Lord is there in our midst. 
We get to see who Jesus is in more fullness as we have more members of that body of Christ around those scriptures, reading those and discerning the mind and heart of Christ for us today. We see this in our own story as Philip meets the Ethiopian eunuch and then tries to help him understand what's going on in this passage. And so then that leads us to see that the Spirit is likely guiding not just the Ethiopian eunuch's reading of that passage, but now even guiding this conversation between Philip and this man. And then finally, we'll come back to it at the end of our passage, but the Spirit, if you caught that, literally whisks Philip away, like we had seen in the Old Testament with other prophets being practically transported to another place without any explanation. But he is transported to Azotus just down the road, and he continues to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ from there. So I believe what we see from that is God's immense love for the world as this fulfillment, ongoing fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant that God has always been about all nations. But what I like to also highlight in this passage is how much God loves the person. In our particularity, warts and all, God loves us. God doesn't require uh, this Ethiopian eunuch to no longer be Ethiopian or no longer be a eunuch in order to read those scriptures and connect with the living God. God loves him just as he is. And so we see God's love for this man who was already a worshiper of God. Remember, he's just traveled from Jerusalem, from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And he wouldn't have even been allowed to go into the innermost parts of that temple And even some of those outer courts, which are restricted to Jewish males, he couldn't have gone in there. And yet he had made, by my calculations, a 2,400 kilometer trip each way to go and worship at the temple that he would not, because of his embodiment, have been allowed to go into those inner sanctums. But God reaches out to him, the one who was in some ways, cut off both literally and figuratively from this holy people of God, that God has made a way for him to be included. And so he likely would have resonated with this Isaiah 53 passage. And so what we see here, though, is not only God reaching out to this man in his particularity on his way. He doesn't reach out to him while he's in Jerusalem. He's on his way home and God pursues him. God also equips Philip for this task. And I love how we see God dignifying that Ethiopian eunuch and dignifying Philip in that process. Their agency is still intact. So when Philip runs up to him, he doesn't just immediately start expounding on the passage that he's reading. He asks, do you understand it? And the Ethiopian eunuch says, no, I don't. And he invites him to share more. I love also when his eyes are open to what's happening in those scriptures, how quickly that Ethiopian eunuch wants to follow in baptism. Look, there's water. What, why can't I be baptized? And I don't know if you remember the very beginning of, these, of this, this uh, section of, of scriptures. It says it was on a desert road. Now, I don't know if you know much about deserts, but not typically body, bodies of water lying around in them. And so 
I'm not saying that God miraculously created a body of water for him to be baptized in, but even the provision of that water and historically or throughout the Old Testament, especially, and then it's picked up as a trope in the New Testament, the spirit is understood as this life-giving water. And so here's this life-giving water along the side of the road, and he immediately wants to be baptized. Just his heart has been changed. And he wants to symbolize that with this external action of his death with Christ and his resurrection into new life. I love that if we think also not just from this passage of Isaiah 53, but just three chapters later, which presumably this Ethiopian eunuch would have continued to read. He wouldn't have just stopped at Isaiah Isaiah 53, but would have kept reading. But Willie Jennings says this, that while Philip is interpreting the text of Isaiah 53, he's also performing the text of Isaiah 56. And so I've got this text on a slide for you to see here. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them, I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. Remember, he couldn't go in the temple. And yet this text is saying that the eunuchs will be in that temple and they will be given a memorial and a name and a name. Remember, you would get past your name on because of having uh, children procreating. Eunuchs couldn't do that. And yet they they are going to have a name because God's going to give that name. And it will be a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners, remember, he's a foreigner, who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. I don't think it's incidental that this eunuch goes off rejoicing. He has found a God who loves him and sees him and accepts him exactly as the Ethiopian eunuch that he is. And God honors him. And this text, which again, as Jennings says, Philip has performed that text and presumably he would have continued on to read that text and likely meditated on that as he thought through, what does this mean now to live even more fully into who I am in Christ as he learns more about what Isaiah didn't even know about? It's powerful. And so Jennings can say that he went on his way rejoicing. The Ethiopian eunuch is free as an Ethiopian eunuch, and he may move forward in joy. His future is open-ended now. And God has broken the connection between identity and destiny, between definition and determination, and inserted a new trajectory for his life. He is moving forward toward God through the Son in the Spirit. He has a lot worth rejoicing in. And so now, to wind this down a bit, I want us to reflect in our own lives of how one, God loves the world and God has always been about the world and wants all humanity to come into loving relationship with God's self. God also loves the particular person. God loves you. 
Now, I know we talk a lot about how God is love, and we can often even say, yeah, I know God loves me. But sometimes we don't sit with the fact that God also likes us. God likes you. And I can feel actually like a hard thing to say, Lord, you like me. Yes, God likes you. That doesn't mean there aren't things that God wants to reform and conform into the likeness of his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I get that. We are still sinful creatures. But God loves you. And God likes you. And not only that, but God has equipped you. God's equipped me. God's equipped us to be agents of that love in the world. God could have shown up to this Ethiopian eunuch in a million other ways. Could have just come down from heaven in, in a big theophany or in a, uh, a wind or a whirlwind or a voice from heaven. But what does God do? God anoints Philip for this task and calls him to that task in the same ways that I believe God is doing for us. But God doesn't leave us alone in that. God has given us the spirit to walk in our gifts and to live out that love, a supernatural love for the sake of the other. So God tells us where to go. God values us in our particularities. God has already been working in us in that context. Remember, God was preparing the way even before Philip got there. And then also preparing the hearts of those who have yet to receive the love of Christ. The Spirit gives us wisdom in the moment, provides us with what we need, whether it's timing, context, wisdom, or in this case, water for the baptism. And also, I think that last line where the Spirit transports Philip to Azotus, that reminds us this is about a God so much bigger than us, who has plans for the whole world and had other tasks for Philip to do. And so to conclude this, I'd love for you to have just a time of reflection on three questions, and one may stand out to you more than the others. Firstly, as we've seen, God loves the world. How is God already at work in the world around you? Your world's different from my world. It's a little world. My little world's over here. Your little world's over there. We, we cross paths with different people. We are in different spheres of influence. God is at work in your world. I know that. How? How can we meet God there? Also, God loves the person. Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that God likes you? Maybe you need to actually just sit with that, that the God of the universe has poured out his blood, died, rose again, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and longs to give you his spirit and to adopt you into this big family of the living God. So maybe we need to sit with that this morning and press into it. And then finally, to know that God has equipped us to be agents of love. So who or what is the spirit moving you toward in your own life? Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for walking through the book of Acts a little bit. And I pray that we might go from here knowing we are anointed by the living God to love the world to love others, and to be agents of love in the world. Thank you. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.